At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to XYZ, the best fucking podcast in the world. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about CNC and automation and so on. Other times we get very distracted. But either way, we have a lot of fun. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, just, just in case you don't know, I'm your host, Aaron Goff, from Goff Custom, and I'm joined here by Craig Lockwood from Chop Knives. I forgot your name there for a second, mate. <laughs> Clearly, I like you. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, we did our sort of intros in the very first episode, which was what? I don't know, would it be episode 9 or 10 now? Something like that. Yeah. Um, so, for those who don't know, um, we are both knife makers. Um, I'm massively inspired by, by Aaron's, the way Aaron works, because it's not he's not a traditional knife maker. Um, you know, he's not, he's not pounding away on an anvil and that kind of thing. He's doing things <laughs> the modern way, using CNC machines. Um, and that's a, that's a way that I want to sort of be moving into, and I see that that's the future. So this podcast is me picking Aaron's brains, basically. So if you want to see some great, great content regarding that kind of stuff, go and look at Aaron's YouTube channel um, and also his Instagram, because there's lots of good stuff on there. Thanks for the plugs, mate. Jeez. Well, well, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. <laughs> how how have you been this week? What have you been up to? Good. It's been productive. I'm very fucking tired, though. Our puppy oh. is um, a lot of work. <laughs> She's like eight months old, and she was supposed to be like house trained and all that kind of stuff. And no, you she'll was, be playing you with you. Wrong end, were you? Yeah, she'll be playing with you, and then she'll just like walk two steps away and look you right in the eyes while she pees on the floor. Oh, I've got I've got two year old twins. I'm, I'm used yeah. to that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but How- but on the work side, it's been going well. Good. How did you get? I know you wanted to put up a lot of knives, sort of ready, ready to go by the end of the month. Did did you get to the goal? I did. Yes. Excellent. I had to finish some knives the day after, but that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, we'll call that a win. Yeah. So I was wondering, how do things work? Because if you go on your website, people can choose um, their handle materials and colors, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So do you finish the blades completely, and then you have a bunch of handle materials just all ready to go? So you, you literally just assemble in when an order comes in. Is that how it works? Um, yes and no. Like right now, I'm trying to assemble full knives ahead of time, and then just keep a couple of knives in stock. Because you um, know the popular model, I, I see, yeah. Yes, yeah. And then... Um, basically, like, make new knives to replace the ones that sell. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, this time around, I did do uh, exactly what you said. I did, um, you know, handle scales and stuff ready to go. But handle scales are actually pretty quick to machine. Um, so I can kind of do them on demand. You know, I, oh, can, okay. I can, like, machine one. It takes, like, 45 minutes to machine a handle scale. So I can, I can machine one while I'm assembling the last knife. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can just kind of do that um 
so yeah that's that's not a, a, a terrible way to go um have you come up with a way yet to so i'm imagining you're assembling your your handles and i know using corby bolts like i do mm-hmm. um so that one of the final things there is is to sand back down the head of that bolt back down yes. to be flush with the have because everything of yours is so precise and exactly the same size have you come up with a way of machining those down so you do up your bolts um and then machine them back down yeah yes and no that's something i've been working on for a while actually um so like one concept i was working on was that i would basically put like these little uh hollow cups um so think of like a pin like a dowel pin that has a hole drilled in one end and i would start machining the handle scales um machine the counter bores for the, where the corby bolts would normally go yeah. and then these metal pins would get hammered and it and glued into place and then the machining process would continue and i'd actually machine their heads off them as mm. part of the machining operation but then you've got handle scales with these um metal inserts but there's no way to like attach them to the blade so mm. the idea was that it would be a press fit i would actually put so there'd be each rivet would be three pieces. Um, so you'd have like the two cups that are parts of the handle scale. And then you would have a, um, a separate dowel pin that goes in the middle. And then the whole right, thing would yeah. get pressed together. Um, ah. Yeah. And that's something I'm still working on. The only problem is that I just, I found that it was very, very hard to get the finish that I wanted on the heads of the, Right, pins yeah. as yeah. as a machining, so I just end up having to sand them anyway. And if I'm sanding them anyway, then I may as well just use copy bolts. Yeah, yeah. Has anybody requested sort of normal bolts so they could have a bunch of different handles and they could change the handles over as they see fit and everything? Yeah, people have asked about that. I just I don't like that idea. You know, like yeah. it, it's gonna come loose, or you know, you're gonna break something, or because the bolts are actually quite small. Yeah. Um. You know, the, the little Corby bolts are somewhat delicate. So, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of that idea, personally. Right. That fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you. Anyway, you got lots done. That would. That's the main thing. You got them up <laughs> on the website, and and they're available. That's good news. Yeah, which is great. Um, and they're not going to be available for long. I think I'm pretty close to being sold out already, which is fantastic. Um. But yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole new world at the moment because I'm I'm really trying to do things a different way um yeah with with like a full-on production schedule each each day of each week i know exactly what i'm doing um and it's actually been pretty pretty nice like last year i was like you know just so under the pump that it was like okay today i have to like force myself to work a bunch and tomorrow i'm gonna have to force myself a work to work a bunch and then the day after that and that you know there was i just never felt a break coming yeah yeah um, whereas with the new schedule, I can be like, you know, today I have to work a bunch, but tomorrow I can do other things. Fun stuff. Yeah. yeah which is yeah. really nice. It's, it's None nice to have knife that. knife making getting in the way business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I end up still, you know, doing knife making related things, of course, because it's what yeah. interests me. But like, yeah, it's, it's nice to have that mental break, you know? Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. How so, about you? um, what have I been up to? I, um, I've, I've been trying to 
I, I mean, I work on batches of knives, like 50, 60 of the same knife, especially mm-hmm. for restaurants, that kind of thing. Um, and, it, you know, it's not the most creative thing. Um, there's the, you know, the creative process at the beginning, coming up with the design. Um, but once you actually get into production, it's pretty much working yeah. like a small factory. Um, so what I did last week or the week before, I, I wanted to make like a one-off. Just one-off knife that could be quite sort of creative with it. Um, and we, I think we talked about it last week where, sort of, you know, make a cool video for it and all that kind of thing. Yep. So I made this <laughs> this chef knife and um, the whole purpose was it was about sort of saving the oceans. And um, it, it's more of a sort of awareness thing, I suppose, about, you know, the amount of plastics that we throw away, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the handle to this knife is um, using plastics that are pulled from the ocean. Um, obviously, it's it's you know it's not even a drop in the ocean. The amount of plastic is being used, but it's a talking point. That's that's the whole point. Okay. Um, and I'd etched like a a whale and the calf on on the blade, right? And it's quite a cool looking knife. It's it's something quite different. Um, so yeah, then I come to make the video, and I thought, right, I'm gonna have lots of fun <laughs> with this. And um, I've I've got this whole thing of if you you know if you sell the story, you sell the knife. That's you know especially yeah, sure. when it comes to these these one offs, people like to know. A story or a theme behind her, at least. Right. So I went, I said, obviously a water theme. So I went out and I bought a big fish tank. Um, I let it settle for a few days. There's no bubbles or anything like that at all. And the idea was there was going to be this sort of 20, 30 second promo video for this knife. Get it sold. Move on to the next sort of creative idea. Um, anyway, it took me about four or five hours to film what was literally a three second piece of footage that I could then slow down to make into a 15-second <laughs> slot of footage. And you probably spent more on the fish tank and all that shit than you did on the knife. Like... Um, time-wise, um, not yeah. not quite. But um, it, I mean, the thing is, I enjoy doing that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but, the mental um, break, like I was just saying, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of flexing a different sort of creative muscle, I suppose. But um, photographing knives is notoriously difficult anyway because you know they're shiny that and they're reflective. Yeah, yeah um, I keep meaning I was... to do a video about that at some point. Um, yeah, it's it's it is difficult. It's really difficult. And yeah, product photography in general is really hard. And people people aren't familiar with a lot of the concepts that you need to make mm. it work, especially for knives. Yeah, um, yeah, like the idea of like flagging and and moving lights and stuff. Like yeah. Yeah, it is difficult. And, you know, photography is all about light. And the fact mm-hmm. that we've got this shiny surface that we're trying to sort of capture, then put that inside a glass box, which is <laughs> even more reflective, couple that with the shitty little lights that I've got, and it was just like, oh, man. Um, and and what, <laughs> so the move was this knife was going to be sort of floating through the water and you would hear these whale sounds and it was going to be a slow-mo and it was going to be all quite cool. Um but it soon turned out, as soon as you start moving the knife underwater, you get these tiny little bubbles. And then when it comes to editing, it just looks doesn't look clean. It looks terrible. Right. Um, so I thought what I'll do, I'll just plunge the knife into the water quickly um, in, um, I, I think, what was it? Uh, 240 frames a second I was I was using. Um, so I could slow that that, that down into a 30 frames a second project. And, and right. I'd get, obviously, that, that slow down speed. Um, but what I was finding is a knife, as well as being obviously reflective, it's it's streamlined. So if you plunge it into water, it's not really going to even cause a ripple in the water, let alone a bubble. Right. So I was like, oh, right, okay. So what I was having to do was sort of slap the blade in, you know, the cheek of the blade into the water, 
to create like this this pocket of air which would then cause bubbles and then turn the knife quickly onto the side so you could see the the, the engraved side to the knife um and that took me hours and hours to get right because every time you did it you need to wait 10 minutes for the water to settle again and it was just like it was it was it was fun to do but um yeah it took a lot of time but um it, I, I think it paid off. So the um, I put the knife for sale, um, sold it, you know, reasonably quickly um, within within a few hours of the video going up. So, so it it did its job. It did its job. So nice. I had so much fun with that. I was like, well, I need another theme to play with now. Um, mm. And it's 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 one of these projects that I sort of do on the side when I you know I'm waiting for resins to dry or you know ovens to heat up. I, I can work on this one off machine on this one off knife. And I've started, and it's a space themed themed uh, knife. So I've I've managed to get some cool stuff. So I've got some um, my Carter that was mm-hmm. apparently used on the last Apollo mission nice. as as a shielding. Um, material right um and that that's taken directly from cape canaveral um where they take um old old stuff to decommission um and a fellow knife maker who actually listens to uh, knife talk um got in touch with me and said he can get some of this stuff if i want it he works at nasa and um he got me some of this stuff so that's so that's really cool so using my carter on the handle that's that's been to space um but also i've etched like a like an astronaut floating in space on the blade, mm-hmm. which looks pretty cool. Um, but I've also this is this is this is the killer. Um, I've managed to get some moon rock as well, which is um, basically it's meteorite, it's lunar meteorite. Mm. So um, and it's it's like approved stuff. You can check on the on the uh, Royal Meteorological Society database apparently, <laughs> um, and it will confirm that this is is moon rock that has, that has landed on Earth. Um, so th- I've been thinking of ways how I can incorporate th- that into a handle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a this is a full tang knife. Um, so um, for those who don't know, a full tang knife will have um, a handle. Uh, sorry, the steel going right through the handle, so that you basically sandwich it with with scales with with handles, as opposed to like a stick tang where you can put a a block of wood onto 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 the stick. Um, this will also have some steel exposed. So, how would I incorporate that into the handle? So, I've been doing a bit of sort of mold making um, and pouring resins, and the idea is cool. I'll have a bit of this moon rock either side on the bolster of the knife. Um, and I was thinking the best way to do some molds. So I've done molds in the past where I've, I've molded handles. It's, it's very, been very much hit or miss. Mm. Um, so I've got the the mold making resins, the silicon stuff, and you make the mold and you can pour your resin into that. So I was thinking, what about 3D printing a mold um, with flexible filament? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never used flexible filament before. I was just wondering whether you have. I haven't, but you have a uh, Prusa Mini right yes which apparently can do a flex material yeah um, but it's a bowden extruder which means that the extruder is separate from the hot end yeah. so it has to push the filament down a, a teflon tube to get to the hot end and those yes. are notoriously not great for flexible filaments and apparently you need to turn retraction off so it would be stringy as hell right um but people have done it okay um but I, I was thinking that, and I was thinking, okay, let's maybe try um, printing some. But then I thought, well, that just seems a bit of a sort of 
over-engineering the situation because you're then going to have the print lines anyway in your mould. Yeah. So you then have yeah. to, you know, um, use some sort of filler material and all that. And I thought, well, what's the point? So I've, I've just ordered just a silicon, um, the, the, you know, the liquid silicon so I can just make moulds. So what I'll do, right. I'll 3D print a tray to pour the mould into um, and do it that way, I think, and just have some, uh, I don't know, use some micarta or something then to... to to, to actually make the relief in the mould. Right. So, yeah, so it's been an experimental week um, of working on this on this knife, but um, I'm really excited. It's really got me sort of perked up again about being creative and doing doing something different. And I think this space knife is going to be, you know, something a bit different, a bit special. So, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I think it's super important to give yourself that, that space to um, be creative, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Without it, like I think your your work tends to really stagnate, right? So yeah. it's like before you know being a knife maker, I was you know sort of web developer, and um, any companies that I worked for, they'd have what they call like a free Friday. So some of them were once a month or somewhere every Friday. So every Friday afternoon, they'd encourage you to work on on mm. your own stuff. Yeah, twenty um, percent time, as they call it at Google. Yeah, yeah, exactly that kind of thing, and I think it's a great great way to to learn more because you're not doing what you know what you do every day the run of the mill stuff you're yeah. generally looking into sort of new technologies or or new ways of working so so yeah i'm going to try and incorporate more of that into my sort of working week um and yeah and hopefully have a bit more fun and just be just be a lot more creative i've, I've got some great ideas for this video for the for the, uh, the space knife by the way are you gonna take your aquarium and make it a vacuum chamber no, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> I'm faking that basically. I'm faking right. it. So um, I've got I've got like a like a like a turntable for, for photography that turns super super slow. Um, so I'm standing the knife in there, um, recording again two two forty frames a second. This turning of the knife, which I can then cut out and composite that into various things. So you've got this knife almost as if it's right. in space. You know, it'll, yeah, it's going to be quite cool. I hope. I, probably another eight hours down the drain, but um, <laughs> it's gonna, it's cool learning something new anyway. Yeah, that's that does sound fun. I yeah, I I, I have a couple of ideas for one-offs that I would like to do, or like limited runs. I was thinking, mm. but um, yeah, they just haven't happened yet. I I'm trying to get my process. I mean, we talked about this a little while ago. I'm trying to design the next version of my process that will be a lot more flexible because yeah. right now. The CNC stuff, you know, you have to make all these fixtures and, you know, all, all, all that stuff takes just a tremendous amount of time. So, like, trying to work out a system that requires less changes to make new things, um, yeah, it's slowly happening. It's slowly mm. Yeah. Oh. I mean... With regards to sort of CNC in, um, what have I been doing this week? So the the, the I suppose the laser in of the of the blades that's that's that CNC. It's a laser uses a galvo <laughs> and it, it's a similar sort of system. But I've been completely frustrated with again having to go back to Windows machines that do this, and I'm right. finding lots of inexpensive machines. I mean my my really cheap little CNC router here. And this this laser machine, this Chinese laser, um, will only work with uh, Windows software. Um, and as somebody who uses a Mac every day, I just find it really jarring to then go in and I, I've got this old, yeah. you know, Windows 10 laptop that you know 
boots up and I'm just like, oh, this is so... Everything I, is just bad about it. Honestly, man, like, you don't need a lot of performance. I would say just, like, buy a couple of, like, old desktops off eBay mm. and set them up permanently connected to each machine and run windows like you don't even need to activate windows like windows will just have a, a watermark you know yes just... in the bottom right there yeah yeah, yeah. just and yeah. that's probably that's probably the way to do it just have these machines dedicated yeah. um a, a pc dedicated to each machine but um yeah i mean I've, I've even tried using like parallels on my on my mac so it'll run mm -hmm. windows but you have issues with the with the usb drivers on some of these things and it's just yeah. ugh, yeah. hate it hate it this is this isn't the idea of the future we were sold <laughs> it really isn't <laughs> no yeah i yeah i agree with you having a computer as a controller for a machine that just like runs windows or whatever it's yeah it's not great it's not a good no. time really yeah um linux machines are better but like yeah so i like i've done some messing around with um linux cnc and centroid cnc in the past both so linux cnc runs on linux as you might yep. guess. Um, and Centroid runs on Windows 10. Um, and you know what? Most of them, both of them are made a lot less jarring by setting it up to boot straight into the controller program. Right, yeah. So you like, you don't even see Windows. It boots and then the control program launches immediately and then you're just in the control program. And that, and that feels pretty nice. Like if you have a little dedicated cheap PC. Yeah. Um, so like maybe that's something to look into, but like, yeah, it's still, yeah. <laughs> still windows and whatever. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Like my, my fiddles, like the, the computers on those are like genuinely ancient, but you know, you, you turn the machine on and it, it just turns on and that's, it's there. Yeah. You know, it's got that single purpose knows what it's there to do. Yeah. And you've yeah, got a kick-ass nice. mechanical keyboard, which all the hipsters are, are falling over for now as well. So. Yeah, it actually is, like, genuinely pretty decent. And the, <laughs> the buttons for jogging and everything, like, it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Nice. I have a question for you, Craig. Yeah, sure. If you had an unlimited budget... Oh. Yeah, I know. Isn't that, that idea is nice, right? What <laughs> machines would you be buying? Unlimited budget. Um... I think a super high-powered laser um, to cut my profiles. Mm -hmm. um, so like 250K right there, 300K? Yeah, yeah, and a fair bit of space and a huge electricity cons consumption, I know. But um, <laughs> that, um, I'd some sort of VMC to do bevels, um, pretty much like yourself. Some sort of VMC. You don't obsessively like visit machine tool websites. I don't. I don't. I mean, I I look. I look occasionally on websites just to drool over. You know what I could never afford. I mean, those those Haas machines look really quite sexy, and you know. But even I've been even looking at like the the, the Tormac that you know that is a PNC four forty, which you is can't their, their say unlimited rate. budget and Tormac in the same sentence. I I know, but when you're <laughs> when you're a complete newbie like myself, right. You know, it, it. Imagine me spending, you know, hundreds of thousands on the on this super duper machine, and and just scratching the surface. There'd be people wanting to rip my eyeballs out. They really would. So, so I think, yeah, start with something that I'll be crashing a lot and that kind of thing. Um, right. Um. Yeah. I mean, dream machines, unlimited budget. I think maybe between them, I'm 
you know, for, for knife making anyway, I, I think I'd be, I'd probably be pretty set. I have seen, have you seen the, uh, the, I'm, I'm thinking the way that I, that I think now. I'm thinking, oh, no, I'd need a drill press. And I think, obviously I wouldn't. I'd be, I'd, I'd be doing all this on the VMC. Um, but just as an aside, have you seen those drill presses that they've now made sort of smart? No. Yeah. I, who makes, let me, oh, who makes them? Nova Works, I think it is. Um, okay. So, um, as well as having like a, a DRO, you know, you know, for for depths and that kind of thing. A, a digital you, readout for those not not knowing. So it tells you like how deep you're you're drilling. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's also got a bunch of sensors in it as well. So it um, you can set depths, and there's like a, a digital um, break on it, so it'll break at the right time. Um, It'll turn on and off without having to, you know, to reach around for the on and off buttons. Um, hmm, that sounds it, a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it does a bit, but it, it looks really, really cool. Um, I'm, 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 so, like, I'll as soon as you it, move I'll the handle it. down to start drilling, it just turns itself on. Exactly, yes, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, and th- there's lots of other these little features that I can't quite remember what they are now, but I just remember seeing it going, wow, that's pretty cool. But anyway, I wouldn't have cool. one. I wouldn't have one because um, I, the VMC would be, would be able to do all these kind of things. Um, I think that's probably it. I mean, what about yourself? Unlimited budget. You've just won. Dreaming small there, mate. I, I am. But can, like I said, can you imagine getting a big old warehouse, filling it up with the best machines and not knowing what to do with any of them? <laughs> yeah, it sounds worse. like a fun time to me. <laughs> what your Unlimited budget. You've just won $400 million on some <laughs> super-duper lottery or I don't know, got on you, you shares in GameStop. You've got yeah, exactly. four hundred million dollars. Dogie coin. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, well so the thing is like I know exactly because like I was just saying, you know, what you don't spend time on machine tool websites obsessively looking at machines. Yeah, I, I do that for sure. Yeah, so like for the VMC it'd be Anokuma Genos M five sixty V, which is a forty inch by twenty inch um, dual bridge style uh, VMC. So rather than the table moving in X and Y, the table only moves in Y back and forth. And then the spindle itself moves in X and Z, um, which means that it's extremely rigid. Um, and this thing weighs like, I think it's like 19 and a half thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah. Um, Again, drop in the ocean. You've got 400 million in your pocket there. Well, that's the weight. That's not the the price. Oh, oh, right. I was going to say. I was yeah. Gonna say, so yeah. that seems really cheap. And I was thinking, what? You got a yeah. lot of money here. <laughs> no, that they're they're not that expensive. They're around one hundred and thirty k US, which for that kind of machine is not that expensive. Crazy, crazy to say that, but mm. um, but yeah, they're they're really nice. They're really nice. Or alternatively, um, a Makino F five which is um, a CNC machine, like a vertical machining center, specifically designed from the ground up for doing hard milling. And that thing is like overkill in every, (laughs) every single way. So it has um, linear scales on all axes, which means that, so like in a normal CNC, if you heat the machine up, like you're, let's say you turn the heat up to like 30 degrees in your shop, all of the ball screws will get longer. So... Because, you know, whenever you heat any metal, it expands, right? So Hmm. your ball screws get longer, and then that means that, you know, your dimensions on one side of the table versus the other, those two points might be 
you know, five thousandths of an inch further apart because your ball screws have gotten longer. But yeah. in the Makino, so they, they, they tackle that two ways. The ball screws are pre-tensioned, which means they actually stretch them in advance um, so that they don't really grow as you heat them up, which is, is nuts. Like pre-worn and jeans. Then... Like pre-worn jeans. <laughs> well, when I, a little bit. When I say they stretch them, they actually keep them in constant tension which is super cool. Like okay. they have um, mounts at either end of the ball screw and they actually like pull them. Um, so as the ball screw heats up, it just loses some of that tension rather than actually changing yeah. dimensions. And then they have um, linear scales on each of the axes. So they actually have, rather than just like moving the ball screw and assuming that the machine moves that far, they actually have a second feedback mechanism to read exactly how far the machine has moved and then to correct for thermal issues. It's nuts. How big is this thing? How how big a space are you going to need for one of these? It's actually not that big. I think it's like 10 feet by 10 feet. Right, okay. Um, okay. I haven't seen one in a while. I saw one at um, the Canadian, Canadian Machining and Technology Show, which is, yeah, that's very fun. I, I try to go to that whenever I can. Um, it's every two years up here and it's just like, yeah, what someone told me it was like more than 5 million pounds worth of machinery, like in terms of weight wow. on the floor in one shot. Oof. So it's like machines from every manufacturer are all running, cutting stuff. You know, it, it's a very, very fun time to go and check all these <laughs> machines out. Lots of men wearing Crocs, I assume. No, why would you assume that? <laughs> That's such a weird <laughs> assumption. You see all these machinists on YouTube. They're all wearing Crocs, all of them. What? <laughs> yeah, okay. Never trust a machinist that's wearing Crocs. I'll tell you that <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so what else? So you've got the, this huge, this huge mill. What else? What else are you getting? Wire EDM. I'd love oh, a wire EDM. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, for those that don't know what a wire EDM is, it's um, think of like one of those wires that you use to cut cheese, <laughs> except it cuts metal in three dimensions and sometimes five dimensions. And they are extremely pricey and extremely accurate and quite costly to run, but they are pretty amazing machines. Hmm. Like nice. if you need to cut a one millimeter hole, you know, through a, a really thick piece of steel, like a, a wire EDM is one of the machines that will help you do that. Cool, cool. I've just found we were talking about that drill press, mm -hmm. um, and I've changed my mind. Um, so you it's do really want cool. It it's got all these cool things on on here. Um, I don't simply because uh, as soon as you open the page from the manufacturer, it says "click here for the firmware upgrade." Mm. <laughs> this is a drill press. You don't yeah. want to be upgrading your firmware every other week. Um, but it's got these cool... I'll just quickly run through a feature set that it's got. So it's got like a, a slow start um, for pilot holes um, and it'll it'll sense when when you, you need to speed up. Um, it's hmm. got um, digital stops um, coupled with the DRO um, for right. accurate and repeatable actions. Um, so once you set it up, um, let's say you're drilling holes with your Corby bolts, for example, you set up, you bang, 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 and keep going. It's got a load readout, so it tells you about the load, and it'll. It's got some electronic break-in, so if you if you 
pulling down too hard it'll automatically keep the load perfectly for you by slowing down that it, 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 it does sound cool but um it's that um yeah click here for the important f firmware upgrade is it's quite scary i suppose yeah <clears throat> Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of weird. Like, you know, we talked about this previously. I'm a little bit of a luddite. Like, things that are supposed to be simple, I like it when they're simple. Mm. You know, like, to, I, like, I don't want my fucking light bulbs to need a firmware update. You know, like, I just... <laughs> one of my friends is obsessive with home automation. He's going to get... He was saying the other day he's going to get Wi-Fi blinds. And I know he listens to the oh. show, so he knows I'm giving him shit. Um, <laughs> he's going to get, like, Wi-Fi controlled blinds. And I'm just like... I don't understand why. Like, just get up and use your fucking Team hand blinds. and put the blind. You know? <laughs> get one of those clappers. Remember, like, them from the 80s? The... No, even that's too much. That's too much automation as well. <laughs> just, I just, I like simple stuff that just works forever, you know? Yeah, that surprises me, that. It really does surprise me. Well, I just, I don't know, like... In in the shop, I want things to be, like, as automated and shiny as possible. But, like, in the rest of my life, I just want things to be simple. You know, simple in the shop, reason. I want things to be simple, too. But, you know, as simple as they can be while still being extremely productive, you know? Yeah. You want things to enhance, not necessarily to bog you down, I suppose. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. like, a similar theme. Like, you probably wouldn't guess that I don't have email on my phone. I don't have Instagram on my phone. Like, um... I just, I don't want my life to be intruded upon by technology. I, I want to control the technology. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sitting there in your tin hat, I can see you. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so tin, it's had... lead. It's lead. <laughs> uh, we've had some questions from listeners. Um, first one, hey, fellas, love the pot. I'm trying to see who this is from, actually. Oh, sorry. I didn't sure. copy that across. No worries, no worries. Um, hey, fellas, love the podcast. I've listened to every episode and find myself eagerly awaiting each week. Wow. I'm a knife maker and leather worker with some CNC experience. I'm pretty familiar with Fusion 360 and I use it regularly. I'm looking for a desktop machine for leather work to cut leather, drill holes, carve patterns. Uh, do you have any recommendations? Also advice on tooling for using a CNC for leather if you have any experience. Thanks, guys, of the show. Um, so I think with leather, you'd use like a drag knife, wouldn't you, rather than a like a like a spinning bit? Yeah, I think so. And I I don't know that a drag knife would actually be powerful enough to like cut through thick leather. I think you'd be starting mm. to look at like oscillating knives at that point. Right. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if you've seen an oscillating knife. They're very cool. They they literally oscillate. They go up and down. Yeah. Um. But then you have like ultrasonic oscillating knives and, and stuff too. Um, I don't know. Personally, I would probably tend toward a, a CO2 laser for this. Mm, good point. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. the CO2 laser will cut um, leather quite nicely. It leaves a really cool um, finish on the cut surfaces too because it, it kind of chars them so they end up dark. Mm. And like that's often one process that you do with leatherworking anyway is to like darken the, the cut edges. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And you could drill stitching holes and that kind of stuff. And I believe you can etch as well. So you don't have to necessarily cut all the way through. I believe you can do some etching. I think there's a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of knife makers who use um, CO2 lasers for their, for their leather work. Um, 
yeah and it, and it looks really impressive looks really good yeah um yeah good point. i hadn't thought of this the co2 lasers for that. that's a good point yeah the only thing i would say is it's gonna smell bad it's gonna smell <laughs> really bad so like You're burning cows yeah yeah, it's gonna <laughs> yes. yeah exactly it's gonna stink. <laughs> so like make sure you've got good fume extraction um you know like a lot yeah. of the machines do come with fume extractors but they're kind of shit like you you might want to upgrade that a little bit but yeah, yeah i i think personally i would say co2 laser i don't think you're gonna have much luck machining with like an end mill for leather i think it's gonna mm. squish too much for lack of a better and word I, and i don't know whether with a co2 laser whether you could do any sort of um like 3d engraving on there i wouldn't have thought so i would have thought it's pretty much you know a cutting machine you know um you can I, I have... you kind of can because you can do like etches where you do like multiple passes but mm. like i don't know if i'd want to try that on leather and it also doesn't look that great and yeah yeah hmm yeah it's a good one um yeah. we had another one from a uh, muscle knives m-u-s uh p-e-l-l no, underscore knives um <laughs> hi guys really enjoying the podcast so thank you very much i'm considering trying to print 3d models of my knife blanks for prototyping and for shipping to customers when working on custom knives um what would be an affordable 3d printer that's available in europe um the knives will be 2.5 d <laughs> so th three and a half millimeters thick without scales yeah, so I think he's talking about just printing the actual blade rather than the... Yes, yeah. And I think the biggest complication is just going to be the size. Because, like, I think you and I would both say, like, a Prusa Mini, especially mm. in Europe, or uh, if you need a little bit bigger size, the, the Mark III. The Mark III, yeah. Yeah. But the problem is that the Mark III only... Ha I think it's an 8.5-inch square build plate. Yeah, so you'd have to print... Um, handles and blades separately and, and attach them and so on. But um, I've, I've been printing prototypes this week um, right. for my folding knife, which I've been working on. Um, and obviously that's pretty small. It's it's for the pocket. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, the proofs that I've got dimensionally, it's it's pretty much amazing. With PLA, it's... I'm, I've just been really surprised. Now, I heard you, Snigger, then. As, as, as a machinist, <laughs> you're like, well, how dimensionally no, no, correct actually, is that? I... <laughs> I th I'm not surprised, honestly. Like, so my printer is a Delta printer, which are hmm. kind of notoriously not great. Um, I've but they look it... super cool. They do look super cool, but yeah. mine mine sounds like a a barrel of bolts rolling down a driveway when it's when it's printing. It's like, <laughs> you know, um, and it dimensionally it's still okay, but I think that uh, a Cartesian printer, so uh, you know, one where each axis is just straight, hmm. like like the Prusa Mini, is a much better choice for when you're trying to get, like, accurate surfaces, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say, like, uh, I don't know... So my knives are about nine inches long. I don't know what that is in, in real units. Um, so I think it might just fit on the Mark III if you're printing diagonally across the print bed. But... If you're doing anything longer than that, then yeah, you're going to run out of space, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, so that's 22 centimeters, 228 millimeters. 
talking about space um, and 3D printing, I saw a video this week. Um, I spoke about him last week, actually. Um, Bob from I Like to Make Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's like a massive Star Wars nut, and he's been making this um, R2-D2 for, like, years. And it's a bit of an ongoing joke how, you know, he'll occasionally go back to the, and this this R2-D2, which, which is incredible what he's already done. Um, but he was making Mandalorian helmets, mm-hmm. and um, they were too big for his 3D printer. I didn't realize that with Prusa Slicer, you can mark a point in your, um, your SDL file, mm. um, and it'll cut that into then a second STL automatically right. for you and make you a new model. So you you can cut up a larger print um, and, and you know, have multiple SDLs, and it'll do that all within the slicer. So right. you don't have to do that in Infusion beforehand or anything like that at all. It's actually built into the slicer, which I didn't know. That was, that was a really sort of handy tip that I saw. Cool. Yeah, and if you don't use Prusa Slicer and you want to do that, there's another program called Mesh Mixer that mm-hmm. will let you do all of that kind of stuff on an STL rather than having to do it in, in Fusion or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Definitely options. Yeah, and then you have to just work out how to glue them back together and have them be yes. strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless it's just a Mandalorian helmet and, you know. I don't know about the... you, but if I'm making a Mandalorian helmet, I want it to be, like, bulletproof. <laughs> you know, I... But... I got to say, they look very impressive. What he's done, really impressive. So mm-hmm. he's then gone out and he's he's used filler on them and he's painted them and it looks as if it's a proper sort of costume helmet. It, it does look really cool. Very cool. Yeah, but um, yeah. So my spell knives, I it yeah, it certainly is possible. But you'd want to look at the the print size and if not, print in multiple parts. Um, but yeah, I could only wholeheartedly recommend the uh, well, I've got the Prusa Mini Plus here. Um, and I've heard really good stuff about the um, is it the MK3S I think it is, um, which is the the bigger version of of the mini. Yeah, yeah, I've heard very good things too. I have, I don't have direct experience with either of them, unfortunately, but hopefully sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, with your four hundred million, your dream budget, you can have your own print farm of MK3S's. Right, right, right next to uh, the, the the Prusa um, headquarters, and you can have one more than them at every point. Mm-hmm. So you've always got one more than them. Hello, hello. Oops, sorry, you... I had had you muted then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that actually brings us to another listener question. It's not really a question. He's disagreeing with me, which I don't Oof, like. The cheek. I the know. cheek. He can, he can have his money back if he likes. He can go away and have his money back. <laughs> no, I, 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 I've said this before, but I, I actually love being wrong. Like, it's it's one of those times where you, you learn shit. You know, if you're always right, you're never learning stuff. Yeah. Right. So BCT Steel said, I got to weigh in on the printing for production. I got to disagree with Aaron. I run a small print farm at my work with three Prusa printers for production parts. Let me know if you have any questions. And I sent him so many questions, he stopped responding to me. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I, so I was asking him, like, are they mechanical parts? Are they aesthetic parts? And he said that they're mechanical parts that he's printing that have to, you know, like, people will see them. So they have to be, like, aesthetically pleasing. And mm-hmm. I believe he said he was printing PETG for the most part. Yeah. Right. And um, they're also printing TPU, uh, thermoplastic urethane, for some bumpers and stuff. Mm. Um, and he's running 0.3 millimeter layers with a 0.6 millimeter nozzle, which is actually the same setup that I'm doing now. Um, 
it prints, you're able to print a lot faster than with a 0.4mm nozzle. And honestly, the difference in quality is very, very minimal. Right. Um, what about so, print time? How how is that affecting print times? Uh, it goes down a lot. <laughs> like mm. when you go to the 0.6mm nozzle. So basically, you can still print at like a 0.2mm layer height if you want like a really fine resolution. The only way that it affects the resolution is in the X and Y. Um, so your corners will be like a little bit more rounded. You can't necessarily make tiny details the same way. But for like most of the stuff that I do where I'm like trying to print mechanical parts, it has zero impact. Hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, like speeds things up quite substantially. So yeah, I've, I've, I've enjoyed going up to a 0.6 millimeter nozzle for sure. Um, and yeah, like, I guess it makes sense. Like a build farm is totally the way to do it. Like if you look at one printer, um, you know, then yeah, that one printer is probably too slow for a lot of things, but in production. Yeah. 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 But it, they're so inexpensive. Like if you were to have like three Prusa minis, that's like what yeah. they're like less than a grand. Yeah. Yeah. They're less than a grand each. Yeah. I, I, I think they're like but, well, for three. I think they were. No, they're like it was five... less than less than three fifty. I'm sure. Well, you're tra- sure. you're talking pounds or euros or something, aren't you? Euros, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. So I think in the states, I think they're about five hundred and fifty US dollars each, something like that. Okay. So you'd be talking about you know fifteen hundred bucks, but like you get a lot of capability for fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, if you if you're making production parts, that it's going to pay for itself very quickly. Yeah. No yeah. Doubt. Yeah, and like minimal power minimal space minimal noise like they're very quiet i you know watching videos of them running i'm very surprised at how quiet they are my mm. my printer is not quiet like yeah. not at all i've got it in a cupboard and if it's running overnight we have to like keep a fan on outside the cupboard to like really wow make it wow. so we can't hear it yeah wow um whilst we're on the subject of 3d printing um, have you done any sort of vapor smoothing or anything like that at all with, with acetone or whatever it may be? Have you done that with any materials? No, not yet. I am actually looking at doing that for a different material that I'm trying to work with, um, which is Ultim. And and you can't use acetone on that. You have to use like methylene chloride, some some god awful shit. So I'm not. So you're on another list again. Yeah, exactly. To source this stuff. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. Have you Have you done any? I haven't, and I was just wondering if you had, um, and yeah, what materials it works well with, and that kind of thing. I, I don't know, so maybe that'd be something for me to sort of research this week, and come back next week with with some sort of findings. Yeah, I mean, for vapor smoothing, it's mainly ABS and ASA. Um, yeah, because yeah. you're normally you're using acetone, um, and those are the materials that are, you know, acetone's a good solvent for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just started trying to print ASA, um, and so far I've been pretty impressed. Like it, it doesn't. I don't, haven't been getting any warping or cracking, but there's something wrong with my print settings. I've got like holes in the in the model, <laughs> like little like pinholes. It looks like it's retracting too much or something. It could also be moisture. When I got that filament, I noticed it seemed quite wet. Right. Yeah. Um, and I did dry it, but maybe I haven't dried it enough yet. Hmm. Okay, so 
we're talking about unlimited budgets again. Have you <laughs> have you seen those like massive industrial three D printers and they're they're doing like cement and concrete and stuff and they're putting up like houses and like in a day and stuff like that. Right. How cool to have something like that and just build what the hell you like. I'd have you could have like a big statue of yourself made in the middle of a shop. You could three D print it in concrete. That sounds very <laughs> practical, cool. Craig. Great idea. <laughs> Yeah, you could you could like put your mask on it and your, your safety glasses and your, and your apron. You, that that would be where you put it all. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> so unlimited budget, unlimited space, and Craig has fifty oh, statues yeah. of himself. Yeah, on prancing horses and you know horses rearing up and all that kind of. I don't, yeah, I'd have it all. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I've been trying to three D print sheaths for my knives. Sheaths. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And. Um, what material are you using for that? <laughs> That's part of the problem. It's a challenge, man. So, like, 3D modeling a sheath is really fucking hard. Hmm. Like, I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted at how hard it is. So, like, you know, if you have two parts that are rigid and one needs to fit inside the other and then you bolt them together or something, like, that's easy. You just, yeah. you know. Like, you... like a saya, that kind of, yeah. just have one fitted out yeah. and it's like a lid. Yeah. That's yeah. super easy, no problems. But the style of sheath that I make with Kydex normally, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's not quite a snap fit because a snap fit is like a specific term where two things, you know, fit together and then they have a little catch to get them out or whatever. Yeah. It's but it sort of clicks in. I, I know yeah, it's it's like an, it's relying on the elastic properties of the plastic to retain the knife. You know, it has to yeah. like deform around the knife handle as you push the knife in and then hold it in place. And doing a 3D model of a thing that will do that is really <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> like really surprisingly difficult. So I do have it working. Um, I have a previous version of that sheath model that I printed in nylon that I had um, SLS printed. Um, so that stands for selective laser printing, laser sintering, selective laser printing. That's a, you know that's not a thing. Um, so they use like a nylon powder and they fuse it with a laser, and that looks great and it it does work. It's it's not quite perfect the retention. But it's that, like getting them printed that way is so expensive. Mm, um, yes, yeah. And that model was so complicated that tuning the retention, like tuning how tightly it grips the knife, is basically impossible. Like every time I make a tiny change, it just breaks the whole model. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, this last week, actually, like right after we recorded the last episode, I did work on, so I've been working on my CAD drawings and I started working on the sheath again. In, and I'm doing it in the same model as as the knife this time, which is thankfully a much better way of doing it, um, just as a separate component. And so I've gotten to the point where I can make a sheath where the knife goes in, but it doesn't come back out again. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to literally use a hammer to get the sheath off. Um, so yeah. is that just a case of then just playing with the scale? Because once you've got the shape, it, it'd be down to scale. No. No, <laughs> it's because the, the retention lips on the sheath that have to like elastically deform, they're just not quite the right shape. Um, mm. So I have to work on different ways to tune that shape. So I actually have a question for the listeners, which is that like, so you've done some Kydex work now, 
Craig, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So Kydex work, you know, if people are kind of on the manufacturing side, not the knife making side, basically what we're talking about is thermoforming. So you take a sheet of plastic, you heat it up, and then you, um, you know, either vacuum form it or you squish it with foam over a mold. And in a lot of cases, people are just using the knife itself as the mold. Yeah. And one of the things that that does is it produces drape. So you get like rounded transitions from one feature to the next as the plastic kind of um, lays over the, the knife. Yeah, and, you're not getting these hard edges. It, yeah, it yeah, rounds, yeah, yeah. And I cannot find a single 3D modeling tool that will reproduce drape. Because, mm. like, ideally what I should do is, you know, you have a, a flat um, sheet in your 3D model and you, you click on the drape tool and then you click your knife blade and it drapes it over the, the knife blade and produces those same nice flowing contours. And then maybe you can tune like the amount of drape and, and so on. And then you would trim it to size using a 3D model and, and fill up the edges and you're, you're done. You know, like that mm. would basically be like the 3D modeling equivalent of the physical process, which is in a lot of cases, that's what we're doing in 3D modeling. You know, you're, you're making a tool and you're using that to cut a part off or, you know, you're doing a sweep or whatever. And yeah. Yeah, so like it seems like um, Blender, which is a, a 3D modeling system mainly designed for doing like animation and stuff. Yeah, they have graphics, a, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, they have a tool called Shrink Wrap, which is similar, but from what I've seen, you can't actually control like the amount of drape. Um, mm. And they did have another one that was more like drape, but again, it wasn't really configurable. And it's not infusion, so then I'd be like exporting a model and doing the process oh. and re-importing it, and yeah. So if anybody has any suggestions on like how to do this, like I'm sure that in the thermoforming industry there must be some software package that lets you, you know, simulate what's going to happen. Or maybe yeah. there isn't. I, I I don't know. It just seems crazy that this You'd is think such a difficult thing. For one at least. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I, I I hesitate to even think about, like, writing a plugin for Fusion that would do this. I mean, maybe it's possible, but, like, I, you know, I, I barely finished high school. That That's way beyond my <laughs> level of math, I think. Um, so, yeah, like, it, yeah, as I said, if anybody has any suggestions, like, please let me know, because it's it's really a surprisingly difficult problem. I wasn't anticipating how hard it would be. So I'd love there to make my life easier. Get- Get in touch if you know any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got some homework for the week. So I'm going to be looking into, as we say, um, finishing and getting good finishes on 3D prints. Um, mm. So whether that's via vapors or wherever it may be. And I'll look into, you know, what's available, um, that kind of thing. Um, Aaron wants to know if you can help him out. Um, but also, we want, we want to hear from our listeners to some weird and wacky machines that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see anything weird and wacky, just send it through to us on Instagram. We are xyz.cnc on Instagram. And yeah, I'm fascinated by by machines. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of Instagram accounts out there that, that you know, just sort of specialize in, in showing these wacky machines. We're aware of them. But if you see anything yourself that is interesting, let us know. It's, it's always fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for listening. 
And oh, again, that's a show. I do. I get to say that's it this a time. Show. That's a show. That's a show. Sorry, <laughs> I normally mark the end of the show by saying that's a show. Um, but remember also to go to your whatever podcast platform you're you're listening this listening on, um, whether it's the website or the app or wherever it is. Give us a review. Um, let us know how we're going. Um, we only want five star ratings. To be honest with you, if it's less than five, really don't bother. Don't take the time out of your well, life. Make sure you give me a big thumbs up too, and give give Craig a big old thumbs down. <laughs> That's a show. That's a show. We shall speak to you all again soon. Thank you all very much. Have a great week. Oh, I pressed the wrong button there. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was like actually a fly. (laughs) Wrong button. We shall speak to you all next week. (laughs) If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.